Welcome to Rumsey Connections. My name is Meredith Gaskins, and I'm joined today by Alex Lutz, the VP of Public Relations and Marketing at Rumsey, Dan Ryan, the Advertising Director for the Staten Island Advance, and Dr. Joseph Lucenti from our optometry clinic at Rumsey. Welcome. Thank you. Great to be here. Through Rumsey Connections, you will meet the fantastic doctors, nurses, and medical professionals that make our hospital thrive. We'll also provide useful information about your own health, explore the latest medical news, and hopefully get you answers to some of your own health-related questions. In this episode, we continue our conversation with Rumsey's optometrist, Dr. Joseph Musenti. Last episode, we discussed traumas and emergencies that can affect our eyes. In this episode, we'll discuss glaucoma and the importance of having your eyes checked regularly to detect any issues early on. Glaucoma is a very common eye disease affecting more than 70 million people worldwide, and it's the leading cause of blindness, accounting for over 12% of blindness around the world. According to the Glaucoma Research Foundation, as much as 40% of vision can be lost without a person noticing. Please tell us more about how glaucoma can affect the eye. So glaucoma, like you mentioned, is an incredibly popular uh, eye disease, unfortunately. So basically, Glaucoma is an eye disease where the eye produces too much fluid inside the eye and it causes damage to the back of the eye. So this, the pressure in the eye goes up and it causes damage to the back of the eye, the optic nerve specifically, um, and that causes vision loss. And that's the most common type of, of glaucoma. Um, you also get glaucoma, for, we just did trauma, you can also get glaucoma from traumas as well, which is the reason why you need to see your doctors, especially with eye trauma, to make sure that this isn't happening as well. And how can someone find out if they have glaucoma? Can you walk us through a glaucoma diagnosis? Yeah, so a regular eye exam, uh, part of that eye exam is usually checking for glaucoma. Mm -hmm. It literally takes a minute, maybe even less, to do a glaucoma test. Um, you put a drop of anesthetic in a person's eye, you say blink, 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 and then you check their pressure with, it's called a tenometer, it looks like a little probe, and it's a pretty blue light that kind of gets close to the front of the eye, touches it, and it measures the amount of pressure inside your eye. Exactly like a tire gauge. When you check your pressures in your tire, same exact thing. The whole process takes a minute at best. Um, but even though it takes a minute, it's so important. Uh -huh. um, so that's really how it happens. And every eye exam should include um, a glaucoma test. And someone needs to be dilated for that test. Not necessarily to check the pressure. Okay. Um, you don't need to dilate the people to check the pressure. But... You do need to dilate the pupil to take a look at the optic nerve, which is the other big piece of the puzzle when you're talking about glaucoma or potential diagnosis for glaucoma um, and visual fields and other things that we do to kind of hone in on that, yes, this person has glaucoma. Okay. Are cases of glaucoma increasing? With diabetes, I would expect that cases of glaucoma are increasing. It's more common in people over 55 years old, unfortunately, which I am one of now. Um, it's more common in African-Americans, Hispanics, and Asians. Um, it's more common in people with a family history of glaucoma, mom or dad or brothers or sisters. Um, they should certainly have their eyes checked at least once a year. Uh, it's also more common in people who, um, who have had trauma, like we said, uh, that kind of thing. So it's important to just to get it checked. It's such an easy thing to check. I'm not sure why people don't do it like they should. You talked about juvenile diabetes being on the rise. Is this a condition that you're starting to see in the youth as well now? We're not really seeing much um, glaucoma in the youth. Again, I don't really see pediatric patients very often, so I might be misspeaking, but I typically don't see many glaucomas in pediatric patients. 
there are conditions that can cause glaucomas in the pediatric in, in the pediatric realm, but they're not very um, they're not very common, fortunately. So there's different kinds of glaucoma. Yeah, the two big kinds of glaucoma are open angle and closed angle. Open angle is by far the more the more common one. That's the one where your eye produces too much fluid, and the pressure goes up, kind of like overfilling a balloon, and it causes damage to the back of the eye. The other type of glaucoma called narrow angle glaucoma, let me backtrack, the angle is the part of the eye that's the pipeline of the fluid out. So it's like the sink of the eye. So if you have an open angle, the fluid drains more easily out, just like a flood in your house. If you have a very small and narrow angle, um, it's more difficult for the fluid to get out. So open angle, much more common, closed or, or narrow angle is much more uncommon, although it does happen, um, where the eye is producing enough fluid or the right amount, it just can't get out because the escape way is not open enough for it to get out. So either one of those things, open angle or closed angle, would give you the high pressure, high eye pressure, which you would pick up on a routine, ordinary eye exam. So we talked earlier about uh, the lack of people keeping up with their eye health. So what are some of the symptoms of glaucoma that someone might, you know, maybe I need to go for an exam? So the symptoms of, of glaucoma, unless the pressure is really high, really don't exist. They call it the silent thief of sight because it really doesn't cause any vision problems until it's advanced. You don't feel it? You don't feel it. It doesn't make your eyes hurt or burn or tear. You don't really notice anything. Um, and like I mentioned in the previous podcast, I have glaucoma. And I was shocked when my doctor told me that I had glaucoma. Of course, I didn't believe him, so I wanted to see all the... All the movie that is. But he was right. I had glaucoma, and I had absolutely no symptoms whatsoever. So... You know, that in itself was kind of like lesson learned. Mm -hmm. You know, an ounce of prevention is really what it's all about. So for someone like yourself who's diagnosed with glaucoma, how do you manage it? For the most part, we can we can manage it with eye drops. Mm -hmm. um, eye drops kind of lower the pressure to an area that's more normal for the eye, and that prevents or stops the progression of the disease. Unfortunately, glaucoma is not curable, but it is very preventable mm -hmm. in most cases. The new thing now in glaucoma is they're doing um, surgeries with uh, something called MIGS, M-I-G-S, and it's um, what it does is they're actually physically going in with a little instrument and opening up that drainage system while they do cataract surgery. So if a person has cataracts, they can go in, take care of the cataract, and put that little device in there that opens up, opens up the, the uh, channels for the fluid to drain, and the pressure goes down. So that's kind of the new thing. Now the big, the big quandary, I guess, for for this is, should we be doing that first before we start eye drops? Because sometimes patients have to take one, two, three eye drops, which I take one and it's a pain, you know, to remember it, you know, it, just about twice a week, I get in bed, I'm all comfortable, oh, I forgot to put my eye drops in, got to get out of bed, put my eye drops in. So it's a pain to take one drop. I can imagine taking three drops at all different times of the day, you know, how cumbersome that can be as you move throughout your day. So, so the surgical technique has kind of been really um, an amazing, an amazing new thing. We're not sure if it is best. Research is out there right now as we speak. If it's better to do the surgery before the drops or the drops before the surgery, the cart before the horse or the horse before the cart kind of a thing. But um, I know we're doing it. We're starting to do it at Rumsey as well. So it's definitely something that's, that's starting to really come, up, come over the mountain in glaucoma care. And most of the glaucoma specialists have been doing it for a little bit. And they're they're gung-ho with how, how good it really works. Is it a cure, or is it just... It's not a cure. Remember, glaucoma is not curable. Yeah. At least as of this day, it's not. But it definitely 
is a way to further manage some of the eye pressure by someone who's non-compliant or someone who, a lot of elderly people have glaucoma and they, they can't squeeze the bottle to, to get the eye drops in. So in that case, this would be perfect for them. Um, you often see the both together, the, the cataracts and glaucoma? We do. So remember, glaucoma happens in age 55 or over most of the time. Um, so that's kind of the time when cataracts start to start to happen. Um, so very often we, we see the cataract and there's a secondary problem with glaucoma. We can do two things at once, or I can, an ophthalmologist would do two things at once and um, make it better. And, it, and is glaucoma a leading cause of blindness? Absolutely. And I think that's really because people don't know they have it. I really am a believer in that, you know, you know, get checked. It just doesn't make sense not to. Right. I mean, I think, I think to me, the reason I asked that about the blindness is because as we're talking here, even it's, it's almost like, I'm not belittling anything that we're saying, but it, it's almost like, oh, well, you know, we can find it. All you gotta do is take drops. Or you, it's almost like belittling the seriousness of right. diagnosis of glaucoma. One of the things that is so unfortunate with, with glaucoma is, you know, you break your ankle, you get a cast, and then you get full function back. Once glaucoma takes away your vision, you can't get it back. So um, once you lose vision, can't get it back. So you want to preserve everything that you have. That's the best way to kind of be able to go about living a functional, a functional life is by preserving what you have and, you know, not making it get to a point where it's out of control and you've already lost a significant amount of vision because, like I said, we can't get it back. Yeah, it's, it's progressive. Like, it's, it starts to happen in one area and then... Yeah, typically, it, you know, if you think about it, you're looking at a beautiful uh, panoramic picture, Okay. So typically glaucoma will start way out in the peripheral vision. So think about the four corners of the picture being gone first. And you might not even notice it because it's small and it's way out here. And then the top and the bottom start to go and then it just starts to close in. So periphery goes first and it starts to close in until it closes in on your central vision. So that's pretty frightening and it's pretty scary. Um, and it takes a long time to do it. It does, it takes a long time, but it's slow and it's insidious. So people don't know what's happening, you know? So it's really scary. Regular checkups are, are absolutely the best way to to prevent it from happening. Now, if you get if you have a diagnosis of glaucoma and say your your right eye, will it migrate to the left eye? Typically, glaucoma is a bilateral disease, which means it happens in both sides. It can be bilateral and but asymmetric. So one eye could be a little bit more advanced than the other eye. Uh, that's for sure. In my case, my right eye is more advanced than my left eye. Um, but you know. There are some reasons why you would have it in one eye and not the other, maybe trauma to one eye and not the other eye. That's a, that's a perfect example. But typically it's bilateral, both sides, but asymmetric, one eye being more advanced than the other. And aside from the drops, there's no other medication. So the drops are, are, are typical, um, what most people are, are on if they have glaucoma, myself included. Um, the MIGS, which are minimally invasive glaucoma surgery, I forgot, I didn't tell you what that meant, um, is a new thing on the horizon that people are, are we're seeing uh, working pretty well. Um, also, laser can sometimes be used to kind of open up those drainage canals that are backed up. Um, so drops, laser, and MIGS are the three things that are pretty much you know, commonplace in glaucoma treatment. If you're, you're, you're getting great, if you're getting great um, results on, on an eye drop mm -hmm. and you're doing well, then they'll probably just use an eye drop. But it just depends on the patient, really, and how advanced it is. So if a patient is diagnosed with glaucoma, should they be going more than once a year? Typically, we see our glaucoma, our controlled glaucoma patients every three or four months okay. just to check their pressure, to take a good look behind the eye, to check their visual fields. Visual fields are 
Um, it's a computer test, kind of like playing a big video game. And what it does is it tells us how you see all around different areas of your eye. And that's important in glaucoma because remember we said peripheral vision goes first and this machine will pick that up mm -hmm. even better than a trained eye cat. I mean, I can't see what my patients are seeing, but I can see things on the optic nerve that may suggest glaucoma or that pressure might be high. But the visual field um, can also confirm a lot of things as well. There's also a test called an OCT, which is ocular computerized tomography, which is the best way to describe it, I think, would be to say it's kind of like taking ultrasound to the back of the eye. It can actually measure how much, how thick parts of the retina are. And we know which parts of the retina are affected most by glaucoma. So it can actually take your measurement in microns about how thick the, the retina areas are. So if I see on the OCT that that area of the retina is getting thinner and thinner and thinner, that means cells are dying in the retina and it's getting thinner and thinner. So that's an, another red flag for me to say, hey, maybe this pressure is not low enough for this patient, or this person might need a MIGS procedure, or this person might need laser. So every, every treatment plan has to be tailored to the patient, um, but you know, it's, it, you have to put all the pieces of the puzzle together to kind of say, yes, this person has glaucoma. And one of the, the, the things, and you do with all these tests at, at Rome C, right? That's correct. Okay. So one of the things that uh, we do at Rumsey a lot uh, and is we do the, the health fairs out in the community. And, and, and Dr. Joe is, is at a lot of these health fairs doing glaucoma screenings. So it's as simple as that having to even come to the hospital in some cases. So how do you do the screening at a health fair as opposed to in the lab? I'm assuming it's the same thing. Yeah, so at a healthcare screening, we obviously use portable equipment. Mm -hmm. So I have a tonometer, which is a, that little plunger that we use to touch the eye and measure the pressure like mm -hmm. the tire gauge. Mm -hmm. We have portable ones as well. We use them at health fairs. We use them at patients who are in a wheelchair, perhaps, that can't get out of the chair to get on the chair to have this done. So it's the same procedure. We anesthetize the front of the eye, and we just touch the front of the eye, and it comes up with an automatic reading. Um, screens are great. They save a lot of they save a lot of eyesight. They save they save people a lot of um, grief by not knowing they have certain diseases. Um, so very often, if I see a patient, and I have seen lots of patients whose pressure is hmm, a little bit suspicious. Here's my card. Come to my office or go to see your eye doctor because I think it's when's your last eye exam? Ten years ago. Well, go go check just to make sure. And that's what a screening is all about to kind of just try to find ways we can help people. You know, in our in our, in our case, um, preserve their vision. Are there certain lifestyle changes that glaucoma patients should make or things they should avoid? Um, well, interestingly enough, I just read a read an article and we talked about this before. Is that Standing on your head is really bad for, for a glaucoma. <laughs> Fortunately, I'm not a big headstander. Remember, self-based That's one thing. And again, just a healthy lifestyle is probably the best thing you can do for glaucoma. Glaucoma is not only about just eye pressure, but it's about you know the health of the blood vessels that feed the optic nerve. So we talk about diabetes affecting the blood vessels. We talk about um, high blood pressure affecting blood vessels. Those are the same blood vessels that affect your heart, that feed the eye. So. If you're having a cardiac problem, so very often you have eye issues like glaucoma for the same reason. The blood vessels aren't doing their job. They're not getting blood to where it needs to be. So overall genital health is the best way to go, I would think, for huh? so glaucoma as well. Is glaucoma something that is a, a standalone condition or is it something was it or is it related to something else going on the body? It can be both. It can be a standalone. Mm -hmm. um, it could also be you know, a manifestation of poor health. It could be a manifestation of genetics. It could be a manifestation of of um, medications that people are taking that cause the pressure to go up. Um, but whatever the cause is, we need to figure it out and get treatment going because we want to stop as much vision loss as we possibly can.
I mean, have you noticed an uptick in glaucoma cases with the rise in obesity rates? Uh, I've noticed a lot of diabetic stuff happening. Um, more problems diabetic-wise on the retina. Um, yes, that I've noticed a lot. So logically speaking, yeah, it would have to be an increase in glaucoma as well. Um, have I noticed that? No, but I haven't really been thinking about it, honestly. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think about that in the near future. Is that one of the, the most common conditions you see coming into the hospital? Glaucoma? Absolutely. Again, glaucoma is... Um, more prevalent in African-Americans, Hispanics, um, uh, people with vascular disorders like high blood pressure, diabetes, and that's Rumsey. Um, so it, the, the uh, population at Rumsey is basically an advertiser for glaucoma. And if I remember correctly from your town hall, you said people were more prone to it if your mother had glaucoma, yeah. your mother's side of the family? Yeah, mothers and fathers are both certainly something that you need to really, yeah. really work on. Um, I had no family history, hmm. which was kind of interesting. Um, so, you know, even if there is a family history, you should really kind of get it checked anyway. And I'm living proof. How do you, how do you tell someone that they've got glaucoma? Because I think some people may, oh my God, I'm going to go blind now. Right. And they're, they're you know, there's a good reason to be a little scared. Hmm. Um, so, first of all, people are usually like, Really? Like, they pick again, silently for sight, no symptoms. Mm -hmm. um, but I usually tell them, you know, based on what I see, that this is definitely controllable, you know, and they're in charge of this, you know, essentially because they're, they need to make sure they put the drops in and all that kind of stuff. And I think patient reassurance is, a good, is always a good thing, whatever you're telling them to have something that's frightening like glaucoma. But I tell them, you know, if we, if we really take good care of you, you let us take good care of you and you do your part, Chances are you can live a long, a long, healthy life, and everything is under control, and nothing, nothing happens. There are cases, of course, that doesn't happen, but for the most part, we can control, you know, what what's going on with regular, ordinary, rather than no glaucoma. But you know, it's kind of a, you know, we both have to work together. You have to put your drops in and come in for your for your follow up, and I have to do my job and make sure that everything is good. If somebody does follow the proper you know, yeah, the question, absolutely. they can avoid blindness. Yeah, absolutely. Throughout. That's always, the, that's always our goal. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think glaucoma for some people kind of falls into that. I, I, I've heard of it. I know a little bit about it, but I don't really have it. So I don't really think about it till you get the diagnosis. And now it's like, you're reading all, but like, wow. And you sit there and you're probably like, wow, I should have gone for those eye exams. You know, well, I mean, if people neglect it, like you say, it's like, it's easy to go two years without if you don't notice any change right. in your vision. Yeah, especially during COVID, right. which we just hopefully are out of. Yeah, you know, I kind of find like, again, to me, there's always that like kind of trifecta. You go for an annual physical and you go to the dentist. And the eye care side of it to me always, when I talk to people, it's like, yeah, I go to the dentist every every six months. I go for a physical every year. But what time do your eye check? It's that kind of, it's, you know, unless they say to me, well, I was noticing that my vision was a little off and I needed contact lenses. It's not something proactive, I'll say. Yeah, one of the things that I constantly hear is I didn't get my eyes checked because I go to CVS and I get readers and I'm great. <laughs> or I go to the motor vehicles and they check my eyes there. So I feel like I'm more proactive with, with my kids' health yeah. and vision yeah. and it's like that. Like, I'll, right. take, I'll take my son to the eye doctor all the time, but... Mm -hmm. I, know, I probably haven't called. I, I've ordered new contacts, but I probably haven't gone and gotten the test in a couple of years. Yeah. Oh, it, it's. But I was telling you earlier too. I I was reading the other day. About, I can't. I can't. <laughs> like I think. I think. Bifocals, Marvel forties. <laughs> I focus are in, in my future. 
It's kind of like, you know, going into the summer months, so everyone's they tell you to wear sunglasses, the UV mm-hmm. blocking, just for eye care from glaucoma. But um, in, in general, and I remember growing up, I was like, UV sunglasses. I never heard, what, what, what did you need that for? It's like, that was like kind of space age things. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. Of course. Um, I'd love to get a little personal with you sure. and find out what interested you in the field of optometry. Um, the real story is I took piano lessons when I was a little boy, and then my piano teacher's daughter was beautiful, and she was an optometrist. So that's the real story. Um, the, other, the other real reason was I wanted something. Uh, I knew I liked eyes. I thought eyes were really, really fascinating, and I still agree that eyes are really fascinating. Um, I didn't want the surgical aspect of things. I didn't want to do that. I'm not into surgery. I'm not really keen on blood. Mm-hmm. Um, so optometry was perfect for me. So when I when I kind of discovered it, I was like, "It's the sky's open. Like this is it. This is what I want to do." Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how I, you know, it was a combination of being in love with my piano teacher's daughter, and <laughs> you, know, you know, and you know, really thinking your eyes are really cool. Yeah. So that's kind of the the real strength. <laughs> that's in my whole life. <laughs> do you still play the piano? I do not well, but I do. Oh. Are you still in touch with the piano teachers? No further. Yes, actually. Seemed absurd. Yeah, no, we're going to narrate. was much older than me. But, um, but uh, yeah, she was great. She was really instrumental in me, like, figuring out the pathway to become an optometrist. Um, and I still, I still talk to her, you know, not very often because she lives in California now. Um, but I do talk to her uh, once in a while. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. She definitely shaped your life. She definitely shaped my life. Absolutely. 100%. I tell her that now. I wouldn't tell that when I was a kid. Uh, do you have any hobbies? You know, what do you like to do one to of, decompress? Yeah. One of the things that I recently discovered was yoga. Uh, I, um, I had some trouble with my back like the last couple of years. And a good friend of mine is a yoga teacher. And she's been hounding me to kind of just try it, just try it, just try it. Uh, you know, I don't know. I'm tired. I don't want to do this. I'd rather sit on the couch and do nothing. Um, but I tried it and now I'm hooked. Yeah. I really, really enjoy it. Like back feels amazing. Um, it's not as easy as it looks. It's really not. I was like, this is, you know, I could do this. And <laughs> <laughs> but, but you can't stay under your head. I do straight to <laughs> nothing downward, but it really is, really is amazing so i guess i'm i'm into that yeah, yeah that's my new thing i don't know in six months i'll still be into it but I'm, that's what i'm into right now so as a segue from yoga about there exercises for the eyes that you can do or i mean no, no, not for glaucoma no uh-huh. no but you should avoid like you know standing on your head and <laughs> doing all that kind of fun stuff uh-huh. and and you live in westchester right i was born and raised in uh yonkers okay. new york um, I went to school in Manhattan, uh-huh. um, but I live now in New Jersey because the commute from Yonkers to Staten Island is just not doable. Where in Jersey are you? I'm in Elizabeth right now. Oh, so okay, now I'm a 15-minute drive, which is really kind of cool um, <laughs> to get to work in the morning. So it definitely beats like an hour and a half, two hour, three hour oh. commute. Uh-huh. Now, aside from the piano teacher's daughter, <laughs> who or what inspires you? Um, I think I'm inspired every day by, by helping the people that we, we kind of work with. Um, you know, changing someone's life by, uh, by giving them a pair of glasses. Now, now they can see at work and function in their daily routine. Like we were talking about his son, um, if I may talk about his son, you know, his son to my issues that were just kind of um, taken care of with glasses. And, you know, so now he's going to do better in school when he's going to be a better athlete is going to be whatever he chooses to do he's going to be better at because his eyes are working yeah. really well very often in eye care we find other things 
you know, that are wrong with the person based on their, what we're seeing in the back of their eye. You know, we often find diabetes, we find high blood pressure, we find HIV, we find, we find a lot of serious things in the eye. So being part of that team that can kind of, you know, work with the person to get them where they need to be to help them mm -hmm. um, to essentially live, yeah. you know, is really kind of cool. You don't think about it because you do it every day, all day long, but it is kind of cool. And that's kind of inspirational to me to, mm -hmm. to be able to help people. I guess that's why, or at least I would hope that's why most healthcare pro providers go into, you know, some kind of a healthcare field because they want to help people. Um, and I think that's really inspirational. Then you see you, you see those videos of like kids getting like yeah. hearing aid or glasses and their face their face lights up yeah you know it's, it's amazing feeling. to see that yeah it's amazing to to see that but that's got to be and you know, when you when you're dealing with someone who comes in with a condition and over the course of care you see the 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 improvements that's that's got to be very rewarding I was telling a story like that to my dad one time and he's my dad has since passed away but I was telling him a story about you know a little kid. You know, you can see now he's doing better in school and now he's doing better at soccer and his whole life is better just for a pair of glasses. Mm -hmm. You know, and if I was like, yeah, that was my tuition money. Go it's a good use. <laughs> so he was kind of right. But, yeah. But uh, yeah, so that's kind of my. And, and you mentioned point. that you've seen a, a difference in Finn with the glasses. Significantly. Mm -hmm. uh, not only with school. I mean, he's a, he's been a very, he's a bright kid. He's a good student. But I remember when we were first starting to coach him in football, he got a handoff. He would. He would. He wouldn't know where to go. He was like, mm -hmm. he would look around. He wouldn't necessarily know what he was doing. And then we're trying to get him like, you gotta run. You gotta run. You gotta go that way. And then, like all of a sudden, I'm a terrible parent realizing he couldn't see. Mm. You know. And and once we got him the glasses on and stuff, he like he's excelled. He's done great. So and it really we getting him in early was was important because then we didn't have to go through eye patching and other. We had to do some eye exercises with him, but it was basic stuff at bedtime. But his vision is great, and he's he's a hundred percent. And now, given what well, with, with the experience with with Finn, I imagine are you more up on Ruby, your daughter's eye care? Uh, yeah, we were. We actually we were worried about Ruby for a little bit because we we were ultra cautious, or we were looking for a problem. Mm -hmm. uh, so we thought that she started getting an eye that was like turning in, mm -hmm. or that she had like a lazy eye. But ultimately, we ended up taking her to the pediatric eye eye doctor, and he said like, her eyes are just farther set back, and it's just it's it's a perception that she has this this thing that she doesn't she doesn't have a, a bad prescription or anything. She's actually got decent vision, mm -hmm. and it was good that we were like early intervention, try to get in there and pay attention to it. But it was almost like as a parent, we kind of we almost were we were looking for like, is there a problem here for it? Uh, so. It's good to be cautious, but there's not always going to be that problem. Right. But she's doing good, and we've kept her. You know, when it's just a thing that if we've taken Fit in, we're taking Ruby. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, she's three. It's a different. It's right. A different right. But it's like with any anything in a, in a family, if someone's dying, if one kid's diagnosed, right. and you become more attentive, mm -hmm. you know, to the other. Absolutely. So open up the floor to you for our last few minutes together if you want to talk about your colleagues in the ophthalmology department. Okay, so our chief, like I mentioned before, is Dr. David Mustafavi. Um, besides being a great guy, um, he is just one of the one of the best surgeons I've ever worked with in my life. His surgeries are absolutely amazing. Um, he's also a uveitis specialist. Uveitis is inflammatory disease of the eye. So he deals with a lot of patients with arthritic problems, and with eye manifestations, um, people with 
rheumatoid, um, uh, other other um, autoimmune disorders, lupus, things like that. Um, so I've learned so much from him just by being a sidekick, like you know, in the exam rooms with with that kind of stuff. Um, he's a great guy. His his surgeries are impeccable. Um, he really, really, really does the right thing all the time. You know, that's what I think. I told him. He asked me what I thought. What I thought of him one time as a surgeon, and I said, I really think you do the right thing all the time. And that's important. Mm-hmm. You want someone who's going to do the right thing for you and what you think is the best for you. Um, we also have coming on board uh, shortly um, is Dr. Christina Vici Domini, nice Irish name, um, <laughs> and she. Uh, She's just finishing her fellowship in anterior segments, so she's a specialist in the front part of the eye. Um, so she's coming on board, and we're so excited to have her as well because um, we worked with her for the past year during her fellowship, so she's great. Um, we also have Dr. Nina Gadangi. She's a pediatric specialist at our hospital, so she sees only children. Um, and she deals with a lot of the problems that you know you were describing about your, your two, um, or your one, rather. And... Uh, so that's our crew and myself and myself. I'm the fourth one. I'm the fourth one there. We also have, like I said, residents from SUNY Downstate. So we have third and fourth year. I think it's third and fourth year residents from Downstate, who are doing part of their training in ophthalmology with us. So they're always a, they're always a, a bright point to to our existence there um, because they know the latest and the greatest of everything. They're just getting out of school, so you kind of got to listen to them a little bit too when they're when they're when they're talking. Um, and we have students now from the SUNY College of Optometry that are working with us as well. So that's always um, a great thing to have. What are you Bushy-tailed? Students. One of those <laughs> uh, with us. So yeah, it's, it's a great place to work. Mm-hmm. We all get along really well, which is, which is a great thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we socialize outside as well as, as well as inside the clinic. So You know what, I, I think that that's a, it's a great point because I think a lot of people wouldn't necessarily think of going to a hospital for an eye care center. They would think of going to their local optometrist or CVS or someplace like that because to, to most people, if I'm going to the hospital, I'm going to a hospital because I have an emergency. I'm not going there for preventive care, like just, just an exam. And, and to know that you've got a full-service eye care, vision and eye care center in the hospital, you kind of have to get away from that stereotype of going to a hospital because you're actually getting better care but does that mean you have to go to the hospital, you know? Well, I think that's a unique part of Rumsey, too, mm-hmm. you know, is that there are different facets of it, and it can be, uh, it can be a, a pleasant experience. It's, right. it's not just a trauma that you're going for. Right. I mean, we have a number of, of, of different departments, and it's kind of that, that, like I said, it's a stereotype that, you know, I wouldn't think to go to the hospital to get an eye exam. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go to my local eye care doctor. I'm not going to think to go there. If I'm going to Rumsey... It's because either he made me go there because he found something, or I'm thinking something serious is wrong that I need to do a step up. And knowing that you have people who are coming just for their general eye care, yeah, you know, that's that's an important option that, that that people and we accept. You know, you accept most insurances. It's the same as going to, I'm imagining a local doctor. Absolutely. You know, um, we're starting to see a lot of referrals in from local optometrists and uh, even local ophthalmologists as well. Um, as well as endocrinologists, because they see a lot of diabetics. Mm-hmm. Eye cares are super important with the diabetic. So in the four years, or almost four years that I've been there, I've seen a big a big um, referral base starting to um, develop. And that, that's, that's kind of, you know, I'm kind of happy about that, you know, because mm-hmm. we, we kind of worked hard to kind of to build the whole, the whole clinic up. And I think if people are happy where they are and they feel well cared for, they come back, bottom line. So people call in for appointments or they go online through Rumsey's website? 
to get an appointment? You could do either or. I believe yeah. the website, you yeah. can do either or. Or you can call our, our clinic directly at 718-818-4848. Um, and the secretary will be more than happy to make an appointment for you. And on the website under our services drop-down menu, uh, we have vision and eye care. And, and there you can meet all of our physicians, all the procedures that they do. And you can also get information on, on making an appointment. And we would, you know, as we've talked about today and in the previous segment, a couple of minutes of your day to come in and get a, an eye exam, even if you found out that all you need is glasses or you're diagnosed with glaucoma, you know, you're, you're in the hands of experts. Absolutely. So we'd like to thank you for coming in. My pleasure. It's fun today. It was a pleasure having you, and thank you for all you do to keep us safe and healthy. That about does it for this episode of Romsey Connections. I'm Meredith Gaskins.